This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 730 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning show, episode number 68. The entire crew gets together for an interesting talk about biosecurity for horse owners. And listen carefully for Glenn's suggestions on disinfection and beautification of your property. But first, let's hear from Equestrian Collections. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm with Debbie from Equestrian Collections. How are you, Debbie? Hi, Glenn. I'm just great. And this week, I wanted to feature something that we have on our website, www.equestriancollections.com. You know, a lot of people say, are you only online? Well, you know what? We have taken care of that for you. We are online, but we're also catalogs online. If you go to our website, and at the very top of the page of the homepage, you will see a little box that says catalogs. You click on that, and all the catalogs from our different vendors come up. All you have to do is click on any one of them, and it opens up just like a book. It's just really cool. You just click at the bottom of the page, and the page turns as if you were looking at a catalog, um, you know, sitting there in bed or something. But the best part of this kind of catalog is if you click on it, and we have this item available. All you have to do is click on it. It takes you right over so you can order it right there. So it's very convenient, and you can look at all the different things and just spend all day doing that if you'd like because we've got plenty of them. I do really like that the fact that uh, you're looking at the at, really at the manufacturer's catalog, and if you guys have it, you can just click on it. It takes you to the order page. If you don't have it, it just pops up with a little thing that says item not available so you know exactly what you can get and what you can't get. That's exactly right, and that's such a help, too, because, you know, if we can't get it, then you can't get it. So, here we go. We can every, you'll know right away if you can get it from us. Very good. That's uh, Go to equestriancollections.com, the catalogs tab at the top of the page at equestriancollections.com. This product highlight was produced by the Horse Radio Network. Listen to all of our shows at horseradionetwork.com. <laughs> we wanted to talk a little bit about biosecurity because there there are so many opportunities for for horses to get sick whether they travel or don't it, you know there's there's a lot of chances to pass diseases around and Roberta is the queen of disinfection and biosecurity so she's a perfect person to talk to us a little bit about this oh and by the way I went to the university University of Kentucky and Dr Dwyer was one of my instructors at one point so we have a lot oh, in common fun. There. <laughs> it was oh, fun. Great. Roberta, tell us a little bit about biosecurity and why it's important to horse people. Well, biosecurity is, you know, a set of actions that you take on your farm to prevent infectious diseases from coming onto the farm, such as with a a newly acquired horse, or if you do have an outbreak of a disease on the farm, of how to contain it to the smallest number of animals possible. So no one wants to deal with Diarrhea and coughing and high fevers and those kinds of things at any time of the year. And 
so that's where biosecurity comes in. Does that mean I have to watch my water bucket seven times? Maybe not seven times, but I want you to use an alcohol <laughs> hand foam after you're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about biosecurity measures. Uh, when, should you, when, when should you consider biosecurity? In what situations? Well, no matter what type of farm you've got, you should consider biosecurity sort of year-round of, you know, if you've got a horse, it can become sick, but if you've got um, new horses that are coming onto the farm, you need to put those animals in quarantine so that if they're incubating a disease, um, that they will hopefully keep it in a limited area and not to the rest of the resident herd. Um, this time of year, it's especially important to, to disin clean and disinfect stalls between foaling mares because those newborns are very susceptible to infections. So keeping that foaling stall clean is very important. When you're traveling to horse shows, trail rides, and you're around many other horses, being aware of how diseases can be contracted is important, and then you're bringing that animal home, and you, you want to take some precautions before you turn that animal out with the other animals on the farm. And obviously when right. you've got a sick animal, you're trying to keep that animal as separate from the rest of the herd as possible and doing several specific things with that horse. So let's talk about that one a little bit because I'm, I'm sure everybody who's got multiple horses on a farm has had at least one of them get sick at one point, and it's always fun to talk about. Um, what are some of the things that you should do? So what are some of the specific measures that you should take when you're dealing with that sick horse to keep your other horses from getting sick? Well, it, first thing is to call your veterinarian and have that person try to, you know, obtain a diagnosis through some, you know, different types of tests. But my rule of thumb is if you've got a sick horse that's got a, a temperature, a cough, diarrhea, you know, abscesses forming, is you keep that animal um, separated from the other animals on the farm and you consider it contagious to other animals until proven otherwise. So for that, using disposable gloves and booties when you're working with that horse, you know, even separate coveralls because if a horse that's got influenza sneezes on you, you're not going to get influenza, but you can easily spread that to other horses that you subsequently handle in the barns. Um, dedicated equipment, separate uh, pitchforks, separate, you know, halters, lead shanks should be used with sick horses and they should not be used with healthy horses. Keeping that animal sort of in the part of the barn that hopefully isn't quite as congested, you know, maybe an empty stall on each side, um, is good to prevent, you know, bacteria, potentially bacteria or viruses from spreading to other horses. Hand washing that's a good is really important. That, that, that's a good question. I was going to ask you that is how far, because I know that we always try to keep them in a completely separate building even. Um, is that going overboard? Is the stall on each side enough? Or, well, if you've got the luxury of having a separate barn to put a horse that is is sick, that's that's very good because then you're limiting the contamination of the healthy horses by keeping the the large manufacturers viruses and bacteria in a an entirely separate building. If you have that, that's fine. Most people don't have that luxury, right? And so sometimes just keeping them in in one end of a barn that um, perhaps doesn't have horses on one side or the other. It all depends on the setup, and that's why working with your veterinarian to make a plan ahead of time is so important. Right, okay. 
And my two cents, Glenn, ad- added into that is the horse across the aisleway, depending on how far that aisleway is, usually they're 12-foot aisleways, 10-foot aisleways, can also get infected by a cough or a sneeze from that horse. So the ones on either side and the one across from the stall would be preferred. So, again, yeah, luxury if you had a separate building. Or if you have a barn like we do down here with the with the uh, pretty much they have the solid doors, the graded doors, like the, in the thoroughbred barns doing here in Lexington. So they can't stick their heads out, which avoids some of that too. Right. And the thing that some people forget is if you've got one horse with a cough in a, let's say, a 12-stall barn, the worst thing you can do is take those other 11 horses and say, well, I'm going to spread them to, to barns A, B, C, D, and E because that will prevent them from getting sick. Well, if they've been in that same barn with the horse with the cough, you have to consider them that they're potentially incubating the disease or they've had been in touch with it. And so you need to sort of keep them in, in one place um, so that you can monitor them and prevent it from spreading all over the farm. Okay. Very good. Now, after as you're, as you're dealing with this horse, if you have to handle other horses afterwards, I know we talked a little bit about gloves and booties and different coveralls and whatnot, but what about some disinfection procedures for you know, cleaning up yourself, uh, maybe cleaning up the stalls, buckets, uh, the feed tubs, halters, whatever, or maybe even after that horse gets healthy? How do you clean all that stuff up? Well, since you're already wearing hopefully disposable gloves, booties, and, and coveralls, that are just used solely for that horse. Um, if you do have to work with other horses after handling that one, it's best to really try to keep everything with that horse at that stall because actually you should be handling healthy horses before you handle the sick horses so that you you aren't that uh, fomite or that, that thing that is carrying bacteria and viruses to other horses. After that horse becomes healthy, stripping out the stall from everything, cleaning and disinfecting is the next step. And that's a lot of labor, but it'll protect future horses on down the line. And that involves uh, cleaning the surfaces with a detergent, spraying things down, and then spraying on an appropriate disinfectant. That's a lot of work. There's going to be a videotape coming out on thehorse.com about how to do that. All the buckets of the hay nets, the feed tubs, anything else that was in that stall also needs to be cleaned and disinfected and then thoroughly rinsed with water so that that stall can be as clean and low on bacteria and viruses as possible. Now, we talked a That's little a bit as we were working on this. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, we talked a little bit as we were working on this video about disinfectants to use in, in stables and, and on tack and whatnot. Um, quick question for, for Glenn and Jamie. Uh, what do you think is the best disinfectant for a horse farm? What do you use, James? Um, I would have to say that um, I, I, I think bleach would be the best. Glenn, I think that's, think? Yeah, I, I think that's probably what we use too, mostly. And what kind of stall surface, what, what are your walls made out of? Uh, ours are um, made out of wood. Ours yeah. were wood. Ours were wood. Okay. Um, you failed that question. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> bleach, bleach is a great disinfectant for like human hospital uses where you've got a, a non-porous surface like 
linoleum and glass and porcelain and stainless steel. But when it comes to non, when it comes to porous surfaces or surfaces that have dirt and manure and abscess material and disgusting things, as soon as bleach hits organic matter like that or it hits dirt, it is readily inactivated, and so it won't kill anything. So unless you've got really, yeah, as soon as you paint, have a painted concrete block stall that you've spotlessly cleaned, it's good for that because that's a non-porous surface that's been thoroughly cleaned. But you know how hard it is to to clean raw wood stalls. At least I do. Um, Yeah, I I was going to say that, and unless you're at you know Lane's End Farm where they've got forty people cleaning every stall every single day, I've never seen a stall without poop on the wall, ever. Right, but if you're if that horse is in that stall and now is healthy and you take him out of that stall, you can go in there and scrub things down with a detergent and water and a scrub brush and get those get that taken care of. The plain and, old uh, like laundry detergent, dish detergent, right? What kind the, of detergent? Um, any of the, the powdered clothing detergent. So the detergent like removes the detergent removes the organic matter. Right. So what do you use to because remove this virus or bacteria? Or straight bleach on a, a wood stall on the, on the walls, that's not going to kill any bacteria or viruses that are there because there's still organic matter. So after the organic matter is removed, then what do you do? Then it's best to uh, talk to your veterinarian to see what, if, you, if they've made a diagnosis of what kind of... Um, pathogen you're working with, and okay. you choose a disinfectant that will definitely kill that one. So and for, one the sake that of, for the sake of argument, we'll choose plain old boring influenza, because that's probably a really common one. I, you know, there's always somebody bringing a snotty nose into the barn. Right. Good old... Right. Um, influenza is, um, if you get after it with soap and water, you're going to be able to kill most of it um, okay. because of the way the virus is structured. And then you rinse that off, and then just to be safe, you know, there's several disinfectants that are on the market that work uh, fairly well in organic matter. Phenols are one of them, and you can spray that lightly on raw wood, not to saturation point, but, you know, a light surface. You just need to realize you're not sterilizing a stall. You're not getting rid of 100% of anything, even if you've got those really nice, very expensive stalls. Okay. Non-porous surfaces being the key to the disinfection, basically. Non-porous surfaces and removing the organic matter. And we talked a little bit about... Yeah. Go ahead. You know, scrubbing elbow grease is a a very huge part of the, the cleaning and disinfection process. Sure. And we talked a little bit as well about if you have uh, raw is an un, un, unfinished uh, wood surfaces that you can make it basically a non-porous surface by cleaning it up and then varnishing it with a polyurethane or something so that it is easier to clean in the future, right? Right, because that does make it a smooth surface. It can be uh, polyurethane or a boat quality varnish after it's been cleaned and scrubbed up and prepped for for that kind of covering. That's a great way to to seal up raw wood stalls. Sure. And I believe in our discussions before the show, you told us that you tend to get a lot of questions about disinfecting pastures. 
Yes, I routinely get calls from farm managers and horse owners where they've had a mare or a foal with diarrhea or they've had a case of strangles and they say, how do I disinfect my pastures because all my horses were out on pasture? And there is no way because there are bacteria and organisms in the soil that help the soil remain healthy and grow grass and you, there is no way to, to disinfect a pasture because a pasture is essentially all organic matter. If it was a, a case of um, diarrhea and the animal was kept in a pasture for, let's say, a month after it was um, completely well, going out and picking up manure might lessen you know, the chances of other horses going into that same pasture and potentially picking up a, a bacteria. But there's just no way to, to disinfect a pasture or soil. Hey, Jamie, or Jamie, I think that, or Christy, I wanted to say that I think Jamie's husband could do it. He's an F-16 fighter pilot. I guarantee he could disinfect that uh-huh. pasture with one pass. <laughs> Did you ever want to use it again? <laughs> Just drop a bomb on it. We'll be fine. <laughs> So does It'll the question be hire out to other horse farms? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my God, oh, thanks, Glenn. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great visualization. So we talked a little bit earlier. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the situations that came up that brought one of those questions to me was um, a farm that brought up a mare from Louisiana, and she seemed healthy after she got off the van, and they turned her out in a pasture with all the other resident mares who were heavily pregnant, and it turned out that Mayor from Louisiana was carrying strangles, and she tested positive, and then that strangles outbreak went through 20 mares in that pasture and all of their foals, some of which required many thousands of dollars of hospital bills. Um, and they asked, can we disinfect a pasture? And they were, they were in a rough situation. Hey, Christy, we only have about uh, four minutes left today. Is there something that uh, uh, Dr. Jones would like to add to this today? Yeah, the um, strangles was a, was a very big point as a practitioner. The questions I get all the time is, is you know, uh, I heard a horse had strangles at such and such a barn, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to go to that barn. And I think what needs to be pointed out is that it's not um, – capable of living in the environment, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Dwyer, it's, I believe, 10 days is what Dr. Timoney said for the bacteria to live in the environment, um, a dry environment. Uh, I guess a moist environment might be a little bit more than 10 days, but it's actually the horse itself. There's a carrier horse that's in that herd that's um, supplying the um, disease. Right. That's a very good point. So that seems to be a misnomer that's still out there is that the farm have strangles on it, but it's not necessarily a farm. There's an actual horse that's a carrier on that farm. Okay. I think that's a great point, and that actually leads into something that I wanted us to discuss briefly is uh, quarantine periods. How long should you quarantine a new arrival to the farm to make sure he doesn't get the rest of your horses sick? Well, my general recommendation is two weeks, um, which wow, seems like you're a generous. Time. I say 21 days, <laughs> but I guess right. I'm just a paranoid. Well, my caveat was if you are really concerned about strangles, you'd be looking at 21 days yeah. um, because that's, you know, potential long, longer incubation time for that disease. I was going to ask you, Erin, what you suggest. You know, two weeks, they usually roll their eyes and say, there's no way, I, you know, how, how about two days? Absolutely. Uh, Client, 
compliance compliance is the hardest part of it, but I, I'm pretty emphatic about two to three weeks. If they can give me two, I'm dancing, but three is what I really try to push for. Our pony that we thought we had rabies, the state made us six months. It was like, huh, that was a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. And long also, time. what what exactly do we mean by quarantine? Because sometimes I think you see people who believe they're quarantining horses when they have them in a separate paddock, but they can still nose over the fence to other horses. And just because they're in a different paddock, sharing the same fence is not necessarily quarantine. Erin, what do you advise your clients on? Absolutely that. Do not share. They just cannot go nose to nose. I hate the, you know, a general generalization because my paddocks here I have at my clinic have enough room for a tractor to go down and turn around and, and brush hog between them, but it's still not enough distance that if two of them were sitting with their heads over the fence pointing at each other, they'd have maybe six to ten feet between them max, and they could still spread some sort of uh, nasal mucus by coughing or sneezing on each other. So it would have to be a significant 35 feet or more type thing where they're far enough away that they can't pass those diseases back and forth. When I, I'm just going to throw in, when I was a kid, I, I uh, rode in this really small 4-H type, uh, it wasn't a 4-H group, but it was a small 4-H type group, and we had a barn, and we actually tacked on the side of the barn, it was a 12 by 12 stall in a paddock by itself, and it said, Welcome Barn. And it was used for any new horse. They stayed in there for a month before they get introduced to the rest of the herd and into the into the barn. And I highly recommend if you have a pasture off by itself, that you just put a little lean-to in there, call it the welcome barn, and you've got yourself a little quarantine spot. It right, sounds so much good. nicer than quarantine, too. Yes, that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Put a pot of flowers out front. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang, putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning at horsesinthemorning.com for your weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information. You can also go to thehorse.com, where you will find a motherload of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you by equestriancollections.com. Just like Horse Tip Daily brings the whole world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time, Equestrian Collections brings you the whole world of equine online shopping to you every single day. Check them out today at equestriancollections.com, and while you're there, tell them Coach Jen sent you. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 